All right, hey. So my name is Caleb. This is my first time, and I just figured it out as I was sitting back there. Uh, a few days ago, Paul asked if I, he heard that I played the cajon, and he asked if I would play with them. And now I get it. Since it's my first year, they pranked me, and they brought a cajon for a six-year-old. For a 6'4", 220 guy to sit on. Uh, so I apologize for all the thigh action back there. Um, it's not my fault. Uh, it's whoever packed that thing. I know, but that, there's another one that's for adults. No, it's just a small one. Uh, I, uh, I am married to Maggie. My brother also is, or her name's Megan. My brother also is named Megan. Or no, my brother's wife is close to me. So like the two of you, we got, we got that going on. Uh-huh. Um, and my, my three kids, uh, uh, Micah, Brayden, and Indy Kate are here with me. I'm making loud noises in the calf and swimming at 6 a.m. So apologies if you hear them screaming. Uh, if you want to talk to them, just tell my two boys that you saw a bear. And they will, you'll have their uh, attention. And uh, you, can, you can elaborate. You can make up a story. You, can, you, can, you have my permission to totally lie to them. And tell them that you saw a bear and make it as creative as you want. And they're going to love that. Uh, a few, a few uh, somewhat important things and then maybe one big important thing. Um, somewhat important things. Guys, it's, it's a hot. There's no AC. Sweat is allowed. I'm, gonna, I'm already sweating. Sweat's allowed. It's all right. Uh, but here's the thing. Shower at least. Guys, listen. I need your attention. Shower at least once this week. Please. For the sake of everybody here, at least once a day. All right, once a day. Uh, we're we're kind of camping, and camping rules I feel like are uh, once a week, but once a day. Also, when you start noticing something's going on with your stomach, don't worry. It's just the altitude, and it, it makes a big balloon in your stomach. So just live with it. Uh, you'll deal with it. Uh, but we're, we're, I'm excited to be here. I've got a balloon and I've got sweat. And so I just wanted to, to, to name my stuff and, uh, hope that you can give me some grace. Uh, I work with RUF. Uh, this will be my fifth school year coming up. Um, I worked at a church before that for, for a handful of years, um, and was part of a church plant with my wife, uh, just as people. We love the church. Um, and we love Jesus and, uh, I love students. And it's such a cool opportunity to come. Um, and speak this week with you all. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know what brought you here. Maybe your parents made you come. Um, I don't know what you want to get out of this week. Maybe you want to see a friend. I see some sort of reunion happen mid-song. That was good. Uh, but maybe you came here just to have a reunion with your friends. Uh, maybe you came here because you like the mountains. Maybe you came here because you live close and some of your friends were coming. But maybe you came here because... A life is hard, and you want to meet with the risen Christ in this place. And that's my hope. My hope is that you encounter the risen Christ this week, and that he speaks tenderly to you, and that you leave this place changed. Um, and so every night we're going to gather, and I'm going to talk tonight about what the week's going to look like. I'm going to spend about seven minutes giving us a big overview of our theme, and then I'm going to dive into the particular text that I think is like the glue that holds the whole thing together. And we'll spend about seven minutes there. And then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together and sing a few songs and be out of here. But my prayer is I've been praying and thinking and writing and anticipating this week. Um, it was that you would encounter the risen Christ this week. 
that you would lead this place change. And so I want to pray just to set the stage um, as we, we do enter in uh, to some time um, and looking at God's word. I want to pray for us, pray for you, um, and then we'll transition to that. So Heavenly Father, we um, come here as a grateful people brought here intentionally. We might think that our parents made us, but you led us here. And you led us here because you love us and you see us and you want us to change. You want us to experience the deep, deep love that you have, that it might overflow within us a, an abounding joy, an abounding peace in the midst of circumstances that aren't going our way. Lord, I pray for those who've come in here lonely and look around feeling awkward right now, that you would give them a friend. I pray that you would, for all of us, bring a level of honesty, that we might bring ourselves, the real self, into the light. We love the dark, but this week would you guide us and push us to the light, that we might be healed. I pray for um, this evening, even just as we look for a few minutes at your word, that you would speak to us through it, that we would be excited about the week that's ahead of us. Um, Lord, that we would be anticipating. If there's any just pessimistic skeptics here, would you change them right now to have a heart that's ready to receive? Lord, your power is, is, um, is alive. And he has a name. His name is the Spirit, and he dwells. So, Spirit, we call on you to turn our hard and pessimistic, half-glass-full sort of hearts into hearts ready to receive, hearts anticipating what it is that you are to say, how it is that you are to provide for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who is with us and for us. Amen. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and have a quick discussion with them about your top two or three favorite Disney movies. Top two or three favorite Disney. If you don't know your neighbor, introduce yourself and then share your top two or three favorite Disney movies. Okay, okay. All right. Hey, Star Wars and Marvel don't count. I recognize them under the umbrella. But realizing this is confusing, that they're not, I was anticipating this. If it's on Disney Plus, it counts. So then just clump, just to say your favorite Star Wars or Marvel movie, and it's going to count. If it's on the Disney, okay, it makes sure we all right all right a lot has been revealed by yourself to your neighbor uh who who has a non-star wars non-marvel option here as number one go ahead Moana, I love Moana. Oh my gosh. Yes, go ahead. Up, classic. Actually, you know, Up is one of the only movies that 
portrays a good marriage, right? And it's only just for like two minutes, but it's the only movie. Okay, go ahead. Mr. Fantastic Fox. So baby. All right. Any girls? Can we get a girl? Okay, go ahead. Yes. Finding Nemo, classic, okay? Hanging. All right, this is good. Everyone's got theirs. This is wonderful. All right, I, I trust that it was a good one, Justice. Okay, uh, changing subjects briefly. Who here has been to Disney World? Okay, most of you. One fit. Um, I went to Disney World when I was three years old, and my parents put me on a leash. And they, uh, I don't know if they put a Goofy hat on me, but it would have worked. Uh, no, no, is that Goofy? No, Pluto. It would have worked better, but they put me on a leash. I was really hoping to have a photo of that up here, but uh, the internet's down right now, so I couldn't get it to, get it, get it to them. Uh, when I was three years old, I went there. But everyone goes to Disney World for, for one reason. Maybe the rides, maybe, maybe this. Every seven-year-old goes to Disney World for one reason, and that is because they want to see Mickey Mouse. They want to see Mickey Mouse, perhaps the most iconic figure in the whole world. Uh, if anyone has access to TV or internet, they know what Mickey Mouse looks like. So everyone goes to Disney to see Mickey Mouse. And here's the thing about Mickey Mouse. Spoiler alert, it's, it's not a real person. Someone's inside the costume of Mickey Mouse. And the thing about the costume of Mickey Mouse is that whether you are in... What? No, I don't know, Six Psych. All right. Yes, he's not real. Uh... Whether you, Kret, are in, in the costume, or you, Nate, or you, Esther, or LeBron James, or Billie Eilish, or your enemy, someone you don't like, no matter who is in the Mickey Mouse costume, you don't know. All you, that's a good catch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All you know about that person is that they have covered themselves with Mickey Mouse, and they are Mickey Mouse. That's all you know. You know, if I wish I would have thought of this analogy earlier, because the shirt would have had Mickey Mouse on it. Because here's the thing. To try, when I, and I'm going to use this analogy throughout the week, but to understand what it means to be united to Christ. It means a lot of things, but two things I'm going to harp on a lot this week is, is it means that you have been clothed with Christ. And no matter who your family is, no matter what your Enneagram number is, no matter what you came in here with, what sort of baggage that you came in here carrying, no matter what your last school year was like, no matter what you're like and what you do, by faith, you have put on the Mickey costume. And the only thing that matters about you is that you are in Christ. And that's what's seen. You know, Mickey Mouse walks around Disney and everyone wants to take a selfie with him. He's beloved. He's adored by all these kids and teenagers and parents. But you are covered in Christ. You are in, united to Christ. And it's not little kids that want to see it, have a selfie with you and, or call you beloved and just adore you. But it's your heavenly Father that adores you and loves you because he sees you in the right Close the right gear of his son because you're united to him by faith. He sees you as his son. I had a friend who was a boomer sooner. Um, not, not many people can claim they know a mascot. I know a mascot. 
And for two years, he was Boomer Sooner for the Oklahoma Sooners. And I was asking him about that as I was kind of leading up to this. What was that, what was that time like? And he told me that it actually took several months for him to adjust to how to live in the Boomer Sooner costume and the gear and how to like, I guess, walk like, is that a horse? Walk like a horse? How to like do the cheers the right way? How to hold your hands? Uh, how to move? How to exist? When you put the Boomer Sooner gear on, all of a sudden you're a different person and you got to learn how to adapt to start walking and living and having your being in this boomer sooner. The same thing I'm sure happens with Mickey. You gotta, you gotta learn how to stand on a, on a stage or on a float and wave the right way and to walk. I mean, you can't like put the Mickey costume on and then just like strut around normal. People are gonna be like, that's not Mickey. You gotta learn how to walk in the Mickey outfit. So the second thing that we're gonna talk a lot about this week it's not just what it, what it means that you're standing before God as you're clothed in Christ. But what it means, what it looks like. You don't learn, it, learn how to walk in Christ in two months or two weeks or two years. But it takes a lifetime. And you adjust and you learn the wave and you learn how to move and you learn how to exist. The book of Acts says that we live and we move and we have our whole being in Christ. Paul says in Philippians 4, to to die is gain, but to live is Christ. Paul, in fact, uses this really weird word. What it means to be a Christian is to be someone who is in Christ Jesus. He uses that word, that phrase, 84 times in his letters. It's important. So you have this, this, this Mickey outfit on. By faith, you receive the right standing of the Son. You receive the clothes of Christ. And it takes a lifetime. And it's this work of God by His Spirit. The same Spirit that empowers every move of Christ, who even raises Him from the dead, is dwelling within you and I by faith. It empowers the way that we move and we figure out what it's like to live in this body. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit in a few nights. We're going to talk about what it looks like to obey in a few nights. We're going to talk about what it looks like to have these new clothes and how that changes who we are tomorrow night. That's where we're going this week. That's where we're going. Um, We're going to look at five chapters of the Bible. We're going to skim through a lot of it. It's Jesus' final words to his disciples. This messy not put together bunch of people who have made their way up and they get this one last night with Jesus before Judas betrays him. And it's five chapters of the best stuff in John's gospel. We're going to look at John 13 through 17. And our whole theme is going to be how our union with Christ not just changes who we are, but changes how we live. Because um, here's my hope. Here's my hope for you. Um, okay, Sam. Here's my hope for you, Sam. Here's my hope for you, Virginia. Here's my hope. Maybe not Virginia. You're leading. I mean, I have different hopes for you, Virginia. Here's my hope for you, Natalie, Justice, Aaron. Here's my hope for you. My hope is that you walk away from this place 
knowing a lot about God, knowing a lot about the theology of our union with Christ. I hope that you um, grow in your understanding of his gospel. I hope you, under, you grow in your understanding of what the Son has done for you. I want you to know who Christ is and what his life was and is all about. But Aaron and Sam and Natalie, I have, I have more, more than that for you. I want you to walk away from this place with a better grasp and a more anticipation for what the good life in Christ looks like. How to walk out of this place, not just what our union with Christ is, but how it dramatically changes everything about you. You know, when I was um, 12 years old, we went on a five, four-week trap. We went on a four-week journey. We went through the sand dunes, which some of you may be doing Wednesday. We went to Grand Canyon. We went up to Yellowstone National Park. And on the way home, we went to Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore, I don't know if you've been there. It is a rock. So its whole purpose is to not do anything, to just be there and to exist. I want to save you a trip tonight. And I'm sorry if you like Mount Rushmore. Like, That's like my favorite place to go. Um, tonight. Or whatever the internet comes back. Just Google Mount Rushmore. And then you've been there. Because all Mount Rushmore is, is you show up and you like, all right, well, let me read a few things about this rock. Let me look at this rock. I can take a picture of the rock. And then I'm done. That's all I do. But let me tell you, there's another cool rock. I went down to the Grand Canyon on that trip. And you show up and you see this rock. And you're like, oh my gosh, this place is amazing. And then you get to do something cool. You get to like hop on a donkey and go down the canyon. And if you wanted to, we did, you could sleep in a tent in the bottom of the canyon. You get to explore and you get to live and you get to exist in the cool rocks. Man, so many of you walk into this place thinking that the Christian life is like Mount Rushmore. That you, it's just something to stare at. It's just a couple things to like cognitively get my head around me. And just a few things to know. And then I just keep knowing them. And then I just keep knowing them. I just keep looking and looking and looking. And the Christian life is like this adventure into the Grand Canyon. It's this amazing, masterful, God-created pit in the world you get to explore and live and you're, you look and you look and you look and you never get sick of the awe. And you travel and you journey and you trip and you fall and you make a mess of yourself. That's the Christian life. So I hope that you walk away and you're like, man, that's awesome, Mount Rushmore. But man, I cannot wait to get to the canyon. I cannot wait to see what it looks like to, to move in this Mickey costume. All right, that's the hope. We're going to look at a few verses. I said that was going to be seven minutes. <sighs> it was longer than that. I don't know how long. No one tell me. I know it was longer than seven. Let's look at a John. I don't know if this is up here. I, don't, I didn't tell anybody to put anything up there. Um, John 15, if you have your Bible. Probably not many of you do. We were all depending on the Wi-Fi to pull out the Bible app, weren't we? Well, there's no Wi-Fi, so there's no Bible app. Oh, hey, oh, there we go. Okay. All right. 
John 15, five verses. This is uh, right in the middle of, of uh, this, this talk, and uh, we're actually going to come back to John 15, the whole thing, in a couple nights. But this is the glue that holds the whole thing together. This is uh, where we really see um, this, this theology on display. Here Jesus teaching to his disciples. We're mid, we're mid-lecture. Uh, so here we go. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it, bear, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. And we'll look at that tomorrow night, what that means. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, Jesus tends to show up and cut a room in half, and he tends to say there's two people in this room. There are people who, by God's gracious election through faith, are branches united to the vine, and the vine is Christ, who have life and bear fruit. And then there are those finding life on their own, maybe doing a lot of good, maybe doing a lot of spiritual things, but not bearing any fruit, and you're taken off. Those are the two people. So as we look at this, um, I want this not to be something that terrifies you, but by a work of the Spirit might humble you, might it be a reflective mirror to you. Where, where's your heart? How's your heart walking into this place? I mean, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to also assume that none of you are, are vine dressers. Does any of your parents uh, work a, vine, a vineyard and grow wine? Okay. Um, mine don't either. Uh, I don't either. I didn't know anything about them, so I watched, I watched a little bit of YouTube to learn how a vineyard works, and I learned so stinking much. Um, and so here, like, I read this passage, and I don't know what comes to mind when you think of a vine, but this is how off I was. I thought of like a little ivy, like the skinny little ivy that like wraps around maybe a twig and then it finds its next twig and then just kind of expands and expands. That's what I thought was going on here. So I'm like, man, I don't quite understand. Um, so maybe I'm dumb. Um, don't, that might be true. But, uh, but let me tell you a little bit about, so we're going to do a one and a half minute agricultural lesson. And then we're going to do a little bit of application of what that, what that means for us. And we're going to break into small groups after we finish our service here and talk a little bit about this, right? So the first thing I learned, a vine is not a little ivy. A vine is a tree. It looks kind of like that. I also wanted to show a picture. It looks kind of like that with, it's a tree that goes sideways. That's really all it is, okay? It's a tree that goes sideways, and then every, like, you know, three feet, there's like a little pole that keeps it keeps it up. So a vine is just a tree. All right, so that's making more sense, hopefully, this passage. Okay, I am the vine, you are the branches. Okay, now I'm thinking sideways tree. Okay, I got my head around that. Um, the second thing to know, as a branch starts to grow, um, some branches don't bear any fruit. 
Um, maybe that's because other branches have taken the, the light out of the way, and so it lives in the shade, lives in the dark. There's no, there's no fruit. And so one of the crazy things about working a vineyard is that there is no technology that does it. Someone has to go and work and make their way through every vine and cut off these branches that don't bear any fruit. Got to get their hands dirty so that the ones that do bear fruit can get more of the nutrients that are in the vine and can get more of the light that's coming from the sun. Um, the third thing that I learned, branches that do bear fruit have to be pruned every year. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this in four nights when we talk about suffering. Sometimes, and I want to reiterate, sometimes, you go through suffering because God's pruning you. Now what's pruning? Well, what would happen in a branch? As a branch bears fruit, here's what I learned. So bears these grapes, someone comes in November, they take the grapes off, they make tasty wine, if that branch is not pruned, it keeps growing longer and longer. And if that branch is never pruned, a couple years down the road, you're like, you got like a 10 foot long branch and it's not bearing any fruit anymore because it's so far away from the nutrients of the vine. And so if a branch is bearing fruit, it's pruned. So that the next year it starts really close to the vine and it can grow a branch again. So sometimes... Sometimes, a good way to understand what's happening, why is life so stinking hard? It's because you're bearing fruit. And God loves you. And he's pruning you so that you can bear more fruit. Fourth, you cannot cut off a branch. So if someone wants to, in California, someone wants to grow some new grape from Europe, they cannot take that branch from, from Europe and bring it to California and plant it in the soil of California because there's all sorts of bugs and pesticides and things in the soil that will kill that branch. So what needs to happen, and I also wish I could have shown a picture, but I didn't get this in time. So instead, I just found some leaves. Cooper, uh, Cooper was like, why are you getting branches? Um, the, well, don't worry about it. So, so what happens is that you have the root, the root of the healthy, already pre-existing vine that's there. And so they'll take the branch from Europe, and what they'll do is they'll do this like surgery, where they like, they, they, they like cut this thing up, and they cut this thing up, and then they, they mend them together like that. And then they put like this tape around it, like this. And then the next thing you know is this healthy vine has now... The root of this healthy vine has now become a new branch. And it has a new thing, and it goes like that, okay? All right, just hang on to that. You're going to know why that matters in a second, all right? All right, so what, is, what does all this mean? I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up here. Um, first thing, God is deeply invested in this world and deeply invested in your life. He gets his hands dirty. There's no better way of understanding the work, the ministry, the life, the death of Christ than God getting his hands dirty in the vineyard. God is deeply committed to this world. Second, suffering is going to happen. And sometimes suffering happens. 
so that you may bear more fruit. And my wife and I, a couple weeks ago, were just in the trenches of life. Like, man, this stinks. I got home one day. This was a good day. I went up um, where, where my wife was. My kids were resting, and my wife was, was in bed reading or napping or something. And I just said, you know, I've been reading John 15, and I just have to think that God is pruning us right now so that we may bear more fruit. Third, why are you here? Why do, why do Christians put so much energy towards camps? Like if you've thought, no one else does camps. I don't think, maybe there are. Maybe there are non-Christian camps. I'm sure there are. But why, are, why do we, why have so many people prayed over this week? Why are, why are you here? You're here so that you're not a branch that goes 10 feet from the vine. Bring you back. Get near to the nutrients. You know, um, we tend to think that, that maturity, growth in the Christian life is becoming more independent and, and less need of grace. We don't need to be near the vine. We're going to keep growing. Well, guess what happens to that branch? It stops bearing any fruit. So we come back here so we can be dependent. We can abide in the grace of the vine that is Christ. That's why we're here this week. Fourth and lastly, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, I don't know how many, how many graduated seniors are there? How many graduated seniors? Man, that's so awesome. Um, thank you for coming. Here's what's going to happen. Um, you're going to go to college, and here you are. You're like a little branch. And you're going to go try to plant yourself in the soil of wherever you go. You cannot bear that soil. If you show up on campus apart from Christ, you will die. So here's what you need to do. You need to go to campus and figure out where Christ is at. Where's his people gathered? And you need to go attach yourself to that stinking root that's healthy. You need to find a church. You need to attach yourself to that root that's healthy. You cannot bear the soil of a new place. How many people are going to be freshmen in high school? Man, give it. Give it to Eli. Oh, man, I am so glad we're here. Um, I hope you have an awesome week, Eli. You might be the youngest, but I bet you're the smartest and the wisest. Uh, Eli, you're going to show up. I don't know if you're going to school or if you're homeschooled like my kids are, but if, let's just say you're not. Are you homeschooled? Yes. Oh, man, this is going to fall apart quick. <laughs> everybody, then. Let's just talk about everybody. That's where I was going to go next. Everybody, man, I don't know, Jesus talks a lot, we're going to talk a lot in this passage about the world. The world bears a lot of bad soil. It's, it's impossible to do anything and to grow and to have your being apart from Christ. You cannot plant your, your branch in the soil, you will die. The world will tear you to shreds. I had a girl... Um, at our summer conference a couple weeks ago, we, we, we finished our semester, went to the beach. And at the end, we have a time of gathering and we kind of share our story. And this girl in tears, she says, I am so sad that I left 
this place. This is not, you know, bragging on RUF, though it's great. Um, anyway, I'm so sad that I left this place. She was around our group for her freshman year and wandered away. She planted her branch in the bad soil. She went and adventured into all sorts of escapades and the life that you might imagine. But some reason, for some reason, she came to summer conference. And she cried and she said, I am so sad that I was not part of this group for my four years in college. And it was one of the greatest moments of just like, we are so glad that you came. And Christ loves you and he forgives you. And he welcomes you back. Oh, there is, there's lots to plant our branch in, but you must graft yourself to Christ. You must unite yourself to Christ by faith, empowered by the Spirit. And you've got to live and have your being in him. That's what we're talking about this week. Let's pray and we're going to sing a few last songs. Um, God, we, we uh, are anticipating what you're going to say, what you're going to do, how you're going to build and grow friendships, how you're going to shape your people. Lord, thank you for your word, how you abide in us. Help us to abide in you. Help us to be nourished. Help us um, to be uh, humble and dependent on the nourishment that comes when we draw near and stay near to the vine. Help us, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen.